through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives at 24 Fancast. It is day three, hour one, and Ayo. I am one of your I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer Superfan Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host and 24 um connoisseur, Michael Howard. Oh. Yes. Oh, look at a man of discerning taste. Oh yes. Okay. I've learned wow. so much. So there are so many things that I remember thinking when watching this the first time when I was a dumb, dumb college kid. Like, ooh, I love this Natty Light and mm, can't wait to chug more Crown Royal. <laughs> but now now I see things in the, these seasons that I'm like, oh, I just missed that. I didn't I'm get so, it. First of all, I'm so interested to hear what you missed this time. But also, kind of sure, what, what kind of notes does this episode have for you? Um... You know, the nose on it... What's the bouquet? Yeah. Yeah. The the bouquet is... It's a little bit... It's a little bit plain. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's something I've I've had before. And then, you know, the initial notes, the taste, if you will, is... It's a little bit bright right away, but then it kind of smooths out into like a nice... Just a nice 24 flavor. With a spicy finish. Oh, yeah. With the... mm. The finish the, is what I'll really say gets the mouthfeel different. The Very, a different mouthfeel from season one and season two. Very, I'll say very that different mouthfeel, and um, for some reason, I am addicted to heroin now. Well, Michael, now you just you spoiled it. <laughs> you spoiled the whole. You the spoiled whole, the heroin. Did it. <laughs> you spoiled the heroin. Went done. Went bad. I have to cut that because that like that kind of we're, we're going to build tension throughout the episode. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> I I already have the name of this episode. Mouthfeel? Bad horse. Bad horse. <laughs> bad horse. Bad horse. X rooms. Well, I don't think so. I'm gonna say this. Mm-hmm. Um the tag a promo tagline for this season is to stop a weapon that has no cure, you need a man who knows no limits. It's true. <laughs> the, I, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so, I guess he, that's true. So decapitation you know, uh, uh, jumping out of airplanes and, uh, you know. Yeah, and that's that's actually where the I think the mouthfeel and the spice level of this episode left a little bit to be desired. Because, like, I guess it was episode two when Jack cut a man's head off. So maybe we've got some. No, it was episode one. It was yeah, the we, end of episode oh, one yeah. because um, I'll get into it. But, um, yeah. Okay, so we open up. It's been three years since the days the episode's. I'm going to repeat everything I just said. <laughs> it has been three years since the events of day two. Um, and uh, things have changed. How but we, we open how up. How do we feel about the, the skip forward of three years? Specifically yeah. Yeah, so I got, got that got that guess wrong. Yeah, so I was going to uh. say, we open up with the closing moments of season two um, as President Palmer looks at his hand as his skin is peeling off of, from, from some sort of corrosive or poisonous substance. His breathing becomes labored. He faints. Uh, everyone is shocked as he loses consciousness. And Curtis, when you saw that, did you think, "Oh fuck it, I nailed it"? Yeah, absolutely. We got we got to start right here. Um, you know, it's time to jump it off. Let's. Zach Jack's gonna chase down Mandy. Yeah. And then nope. three years. Later. No. <laughs> no. Maybe he did, and they just didn't show it to us. Maybe it wasn't that exciting. Yeah, 
I will say, so, uh, Curtis, I was disappointed for you, um, even though I knew it. Um, but I will say, I was listening back to um, the first episode of uh, Day 2, our show, um, because I forgot how to do this show. Because mm. we've it's been so long since we did a, like, normal <laughs> episode, and I forgot it did it. Um, but um, there's a bit, there's a throwaway line. Maybe 20 or 30 minutes into the episode um, from uh, Jack Saw was the name of that episode. Um, and someone on David Palmer's staff says his day was uh, supposed to have included a tour of the new Nike campus. Um, and how often do you think during the course of that day, David was just thinking about, man, I was supposed Damn. to get some custom Jordans Ooh. today. Oh, Can you God. imagine the, the joints that the president david palmer would have gotten from nike so so hot yeah it would have been unbelievable it just especially when they they put him in that that room and he couldn't leave with with a.a ron lynch there it's like god i could have a.a ron like he could have gotten literal air force one fly they're gonna be so fly oh my god oh god they would have you imagine if you were president had some air force ones with your name on them and shit god and the presidential seal yeah like that was probably to me the last thought is David is looking at his hands, collapses, falls on his back, and probably he's he's helpless. He's pulling his head up to kind of look around for help. Kansas probably caught a sight of his stupid wingtips. He was like, those should have been Jordans. <laughs> I can't wait till we have yeah. our first president that wears a suit, but then with some with some J's. Dude, could you imagine just showing up to the State of the Union wearing some baller and chiefs? <laughs> just It's a little weird, Michael, to think that and I don't want this, but, like, Joe Biden might be that guy. But, like, it, it'd probably be, like, just New slippies. Balance. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, no, New Balance are the, the MAGA shoes. Um, yeah. But anyway, it might be Biden. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he would do it. He would definitely. I think do it. I think you you could, you could get Joe to wear some Chuck Taylors and be like, just take these are for you. I feel like don't, he'd be ruin, the first the first person to show up wearing a smoking jacket and like slippers <laughs> and like silk pajamas. Oh, I don't I don't think we can contemplate the level of fucks Joe won't give once he's actually won. It 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 would be epic, but but funny epic. Like oh my god, Grandpa Joe did it again. And to be fair, this is much funnier as like an SNL sketch that I want to see. I don't actually want it to happen. But um, yeah, here's the thing. No. Like I I have. Uh, you know, I've had grandparents and aunts and uncles who are older who I enjoy visiting. But if they were like, hey, I'm going to live with you now and basically be involved in every part of your life, I'd be like, no, this is this is the worst idea ever. Yeah, I don't want that. Please get away from me. And only I only want to see you for 20 minutes, like once a year. But what if instead of come live with you, it was come run government for you? Mm. Mm. Joe. All that government? Yeah, all that good government. Um, Anyway, welcome to the 1 p.m. hour, day three of the longest third, possibly longest day of Jack's life. Um, And this is a long hour because I think this was the first episode of 24 presented without commercial courtesy of Ford Motor Company, (laughs) Um, which, good God, Curtis, buckle up. You're about to see a ton of Ford vehicles. I know. Just Ford as the far first as one, I can see. The first one was magnificent. Just a thing of beauty. Let's talk about it, Kish. The following takes place between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. Events occur in real time. Season 3 of 24 
throws us a curveball in the opening minutes. And rather than opening uh, with someone being tortured in Asia, uh, <laughs> we see our dear old friend, Los Angeles, and a dark blue Econoline Ford van is streaking <laughs> through the streets. Inside, we see a man open a black heavy-duty case and begin tinkering with what looks to be a bomb. Okay, okay, and here's the thing with that. They sh- they keep zooming in on his hands and his the very fine motor adjustments he he needs to make and like he's like being very careful like the bomb's gonna go off anywhere but then they cut to the van and it is literally like peeling out and like taking turns like it's a fucking NASCAR like what the fuck I I did say my next note Michael was feels like the back of a fast moving van is not the best place to be doing this um he is also in classic 24 opening uh uh kind of milieu he is sweating up a storm he yeah, is uh, fl- bro is flop sweating all over this bomba like it's it's going to be just an epic crater of nothing yes. in LA. We if it goes off in that van. Yeah. We also see a hand open up a knife and cut through some plastic sheeting as the van backs into a loading dock. Again, everyone's moving real quick. Um, the van parks. Two men jump out and pull uh, what appears to be a plastic wrapped corpse out of the uh, out of the back of the van. Um, someone else jumps out, sets a sets the bomb against the door of this building, and uh, uh, it goes off. It doesn't look like a very secure- sophisticated bomb either. Like. Boy, he didn't need yeah. to do as much effort as he was doing. Y'all, y'all, fam, you could have bought an M80 at the same <laughs> level of explosion as this thing. Like, he's sitting here sweating. Oh, if this thing goes off, you might lose a finger, bro, bro. Calm down. Well, okay. But, yeah, like, <laughs> so it's a small explosion. And also, the whole point of it, presumably, given what happens next, is just to get someone to come answer the door. Could've like, just they not. just he, want yeah. someone to open the door. That's it. Um, so, what do they drop? Out, out the back of this, uh, at the back of this uh, van. What does the security guard who comes to the explosion see? Sit. What is what welcomes him? Tis a cadaver. A very, a very um, diseased-looking cadaver. Mutilated. Yeah, not a, not, not a virus riddled. Um, <laughs> and uh, Curtis, how you feeling right now? Well, well, I said, well, that that that's new. I like it. Mm-hmm. We had the old, we had the old, uh, you know, we had the old nuke last time. Started off with the old assassination. <laughs> time for some V-Rye, boys. Mm-hmm. We're going virus hunting. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's it's a nice change. It's a little bit of curveball. I like it. I um, want to see Jack here's, here's the problem. punch a virus right in the face. Well, see, that's, yeah, that's the issue here. I'm like, every movie that involves a virus, I think you, the classic one I think of, you know, is Outbreak. Dustin Hoffman, very calm, you know, as, as I'm talking doctor. to the guys I, on the plane. Fellas, you I've... gotta listen to me. We have the cure. <laughs> hmm. This is Colonel Ford. You will drop that bomb. <laughs> it's for our safety. I'm sorry, I can't. I, I love that movie. Anyway, Cle- clearly I do too because I remember who's, Dustin who's... Hoffman talking to the pilots of the fucking plane. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I saw so, it once. But meanwhile, meanwhile, if you put Jack Bauer in a hazmat suit, he he, all he's gonna do is, well, how do I punch someone in a hazmat? I'm, I he just wants to kill. There's no, there's no cure. It's more like, yeah, how do I kill this virus? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Jack Bauer, we see someone walk into a secure facility and place their hand on an identity scanner, and it is our good friend, Mr. Jack Bauer. And the security readout says that Jack is now the director of field operations at CTULA. And can I see this, guys? Jack looks good. He looks real, real good. He's good. He does. Oh, by the way, security clearance, one Delta. 
Mm. One Delta. He's back. One D. He's back, y'all. And I don't know what that means, but yeah, Jack, I, I didn't think Jack could get better looking from the beard in episode one of season two, but he's looking lean, mean, and just like ready to take down some fools. Heroin like chic? It. Yep. <laughs> Michael, you're just giving it away. Um, he's with another agent who I don't think we actually ever learn his name in this episode. I think someone says it eventually. I know who says no, it, but when when he it, it says Chase on the yeah, screen, yeah, when he does the screen, it comes up. It doesn't zoom in on the screen to show you Chase, but you can definitely see it if you're looking. So his name is Chase something or other. Um, and uh, they start walking down a prison hallway, and then we see a Latino prisoner being guided by two guards down a hallway. And um, this is the first of. Minor clues that Michael has just come at, like ripped the curtain back from, but Jack coughs, and uh, Chase asks, asks if Jack is all right, and he just ignores it and says, "Yeah, I'll be fine once uh, Salazar signs the deal." I assume and, that uh, they were just worried about him because he's still, once again, very importantly, he died for like a pretty significant amount of time three years ago. Mm-hmm. You see, I actually thought I was like, "Oh, Jack's the director," which means he's back in his old office, which means he got that George Mason disease. <laughs> <laughs> G Mace left it there for him. Like you will die the same as I as I did, Jack. He just got radiation from his chair. I mean, hey. actually, hey. probably with the dose that he got, I don't know enough about radioactivity to to say positive or negatively that his chair wasn't infected by all that good leukemia. <laughs> also, also, if you if you think of think about this, I want you to picture the kind of person George Mason is. He is the kind of dude. To have enacted a three-year murder plan that involved his own death, just so whenever they got where they were going, he could be there with his face at Jack going, eh. Told you, Jack. That's that, that level. Like, you're that much of a dick. Yeah. You shouldn't have left me yeah. in that plane by myself, <laughs> asshole. Hey, by the way, are we supposed to know who Salazar is? No, or does he just yet. look familiar because he looks like... He's in a lot of... Law and order test, my dude. Yeah, Curtis, I, I have a feeling that half of this episode would does not pass the law and order test. It has been an issue. There's a lot of write-ups. So, this is Ramon Salazar, we find out eventually, and I'm just realizing because I googled his name to see who the actor is, because I know he's been in other stuff, but apparently Ramon Salazar is also a villain in uh, Resident Evil. <laughs> Oh, maybe that's where I recognize the name from. That was in Re- Resident Evil 4, I believe. Mm. Uh, yes, Resident Evil 4. Curtis, man. There you go. Leon S. Kennedy fighting it out in Spain with Ramon. How the fuck do you know all the plots to different Resident Evil games are all the same? I'm a nerd. A big, big nerd. A big black nerd. A really, really nerd. It's very specific. <laughs> I like. Have you sung that song before? Nope. Was that just okay? Well, anyway, so original composition, my friend. Though, so Salazar gets led into a a prison cell and uh, and sat down, and then we meet the district attorney, Luis Anacon, who tells Jack that Salazar plans to give up the terrorist cells he deals with in exchange for a reduced prison sentence at a non-maximum security prison. And uh, uh, Salazar's attorney, Doug, chimes in, says. Listen, guys, my client isn't happy that they're not sending him to Florida, which, um... Come on. Come tough on, shit, man. guy. I'm gonna send a coke dealer to Florida? Yeah, that's the worst idea. Sure. That's where everyone is. <laughs> but it's also, like, uh, the the other option where uh, Anaconda is gonna send him is Minnesota, which, like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if I had the option and any leverage as a terrorist or, like, or a drug dealer, I'd be like, 
I'd rather not go to Minnesota. Period. But no, no, no. We're talking about going to a Florida prison, not just a prison. A Florida prison. That's give me that. Give me that sweet Minneapolis sun all night long, dude. That's I'm, fair. I'm there. Yeah, I was thinking in terms of cold, <laughs> not thinking of the Florida men who populate a Florida prison. <laughs> Yeah, no, that like, seems bad. Other prisons, other prisons are like never ask what they're in for. In Florida, it's like, oh, I'm gonna tell you a tale. <laughs> it involves an alligator. Yeah, they should have said, they should have said, hey, yeah, you get, you get to go to Florida, but not like South Florida or even the Panhandle. We're just gonna put you in the middle oh, no. of fucking nowhere. You mean the uh, state penitentiary in Stark, which I've driven past way too be, many that times. That might be too. That might not be remote enough. It needs to be like somewhere just north near of the Junction in Arcadia. You can have some of that action. <laughs> yeah, that sounds bad. Well, um, so Jack says, just send him to fucking Florida. Like, I don't want to give uh, him an excuse to not say anything. And um, what does Jack say that he spent the last year doing? He's been on Salazar for the last year. He's been on this dude. On him. But he wasn't. What did you do? Who are you? He wasn't there just to catch a drug dealer. He was there to catch Salazar's terrorist connections. Which. I mean, that's his job. That seems like a stretch, though, right? That the that a drug dealer would have, like, all of these terrorist connections, right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, what's his name? Didn't have... El Chapo? El Chapo or, uh, or the other dude who made all the money in... Fuck. Pablo, Pablo Escobar. Pablo? Like, he didn't have, like, terrorist ties, did he? We don't, we don't talk about Pablo. Pablo's great. Be quiet. <laughs> but what happened? <laughs> what? What is no, I'm just kidding. No, Pablo Escobar was like the he he was like the fifth richest man in the world. I'm, he probably dealt at some point with some terrorists. He did steal guns from the U.S. government, so I don't know, man. I mean, we pretty much let him do that. Like, I mean, we gave him we the did. option. We really did. And I mean, like, y- yeah. you hear the stats that, like, you know, given means and opportunity, and like the expectation you won't get caught. Something like eighty percent of American workers would steal from their employer. You can't really blame him. You can't blame Pablo for just being like, well, they're letting me steal the guns. Like, no one's watching me with these guns. Might as well do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, correct. I mean, they're, they're available guns. I'm going to have them. Yeah. Um, I get it. So Anyway, so, I mean, yeah, it's a stretch to go to, but, you know, Jack, he, 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 he just finds the thread. Yeah. And he tugs on it. And so Anacom takes the other tactic. He's just like, well, if you give him everything he asks for, he's just going to want more and more. You can't just give this shit to him and um eventually they just let uh, salazar's lawyer doug shea walk in and uh hand him the deal to sign and um what does salazar do as he's looking over the deal he he looks towards the 2a mirror and what does he say did he say he says something about like jack like jack are you over there you in there he knows jack's there yeah and he, starts, he, he says starts how can i freak in a little bit and Doug says, just forget about Bauer. Sign the deal. He's like, how can I forget about the man who put me in here, who pretended to be my friend? And then he gets up and like goes face to face with Jack and says, the things you did to get me here, I wouldn't wish on anyone. Let's face it, Jack. You'll never be the same. And mm-hmm. this is like our first real hint that Michael has already spoiled. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't want to know what Jack did. Um, 
my, my first thought, because my mind is terrible, is, is from Requiem with a Dream. But, you know, I just didn't know how far dude had gone to get in there. We, yeah. we still don't know he didn't. Um, but, yeah, it's I mean. true. I mean, come on. He he was undercover with with the drug lord. Like, of course he did drugs. Like, we've all seen this before. That's fair. Was it really that big of a surprise? You're like, hey, he was undercover with a drug guy for six months. Oh, he probably didn't do any drugs. Don't worry about it. We've all seen Donnie Brasco. Exactly. It ended very happily. <laughs> um, so Salazar just kind of chuckles and says, I'm about to name names. Now we're connected. Maybe we always have been. And then he laughs and walks back to the table and looks at his, his uh, attorney and says, well, I need a pen unless you want me to sign it in my own blood. It's mm. pretty. It's pre- sounds pretty dope. And then uh, <laughs> Salazar's attorney, Doug, uh, hands him a pen to sign the deal. And uh, Salazar looks at, he takes the pen, kind of looks things over, and then he looks up at Doug. And what does he say? I think they're on to you. But he's, he, he, and, I don't, he, and, I don't, and I don't think you have what it takes to keep your mouth shut. But he, he does congratulate him on doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, until an excellent counsel. Until now, yeah, and then he gives yeah. like a little cheeky little smile towards the mirror, and uh, what happens next? Oh god, he looks. He doesn't mm. just give us a cheeky smile. He somehow knows where Jack is, even though he can't see through through the mirror. He knows exactly where he is, and he he looks Jack dead in the eyes, and then stabs the dude right in the throat with his fountain pen. Like, right in the throat. I don't even think he ever looks at him before he does it. He looks he at Jack. He just instinctively knows where the jugular is. <laughs> he just looks at Jack. Yeah. He, instinct- he instinctively knows where Jack's eyes are, and he instinctively knows where this dude's jugular is, and that's all that matters. And uh, it's over. Um, so the attorney <laughs> dies real fast. Mm. Um, the guards pull Salazar off of him as Salazar kind of looks again at the mirror as Jack kind of rushes in and just says, This is your fault, Jack. What happens next is on you, too. And uh, Chase, the junior agent, kind of lunges at Ramon, uh, but Jack pulls him back, and we get our first tiny clock. It is 108. Please take a drink. And we see the first we, of what will be... Can we drink be... for Jack telling somebody else to take a walk? Because that was that Oh, was yeah, terrific. yeah. That's, that's great. Jack told Chase to walk it off, <laughs> yeah. to calm down. Calm down. <laughs> well, he, take a walk. He's the director now. He's, he's, he's middle management. You know? That is true. Um, so we see the first of what will be many Ford vehicles, uh, and uh, uh, we saw the Econoline van, my friend. That be second, second of what will be. <laughs> this was the first. The Econoline van was like, okay, it's a van. This was a close up on an a red, a bright red F two fifty backing up, um, and like you saw the Ford badge the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a, a emergency vehicle, and we see a hazmat team encasing the body of that was dropped off at the. National Health Center complex, and a Dr. Sunny Macer um, is informed by her subordinate Tyler that um, her name was written in duct tape on the corpse's chest. Which do you think he said? Do you think he called up and like, "Hey, Doc, we got a dead body with your name on it." Like, get it? I hope so. Get it? Yeah. (laughs) That or like, we got a package for you. And I don't know what the punchline is. I got, I got a package for you, and it's got your name on it, and it's also dead, and it also has diseases. It's oh, my it's dick. S- s- <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of which, speaking of your dick, um, this body has nasty lesions all over it. <laughs> dude, dude, don't look good. <laughs> I mean, I already, I already say you he did. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm just laughing at my own dick lesion joke. <laughs> we are dick. We are legion. <laughs> Isn't it we are we are we are legion for we are dick? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a nerd. Yeah. I'm not a Bible nerd. Um, so Macer says, run a full test just to be sure, but I think we're dealing with a mnemonic virus type 3, which, as far as I know, there's no such thing as a mnemonic virus uh, type 3. But I did learn that there are three types of mnemonic plague, pulmonary being one of them, which mm. I think that's which the right isn't a mnemonic? But, isn't a mnemonic, isn't that a device you use to remember, like, the planet? That's mnemonic. No, that's mnemonic. Yeah, it's mnemonic. Yeah, that's M N E M O whatever. Yeah, this it's is P N. Not mnemonic. Okay, wait. So <laughs> is mnemonic. it? So is it Johnny? Is it Johnny mnemonic then? Is that what we're Johnny, Johnny mnemonic. mnemonic? This is mnemonic yeah. with mm. a P. Uh, so it's mnemonic, not mnemonic. This is this is P N E U. That that was M N E M. Well, no, but but isn't P N A E U has to do with the the moving of lungs and and, and breath? Yeah, that's yes. So. So it is correct. It's a mnemonic plague. Mnemonic virus is what they say. It's not a mnemonic device. There are two paths here. (laughs) Both are wrong. (laughs) It's a a Johnny mnemonic plague where you plug into the the, the system. Here's... Have oh, I thought it was good. I thought it was just if whoever whoever gets sick turns into a different version of Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say as Keanu be, Reeves can be Ted S. Preston. You can be Ted. You can be Ted Theodore. Ted Theodore Logan. You could be uh, Johnny Utah. You could be John Wick. Fuck. I mean, that, that's who wins. You, right? You're but, still dancing around Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to be Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Like you just didn't want it. Like, no. actually, one of them turns you into the lake house counter Reeves. Sorry, Ooh. he gets to travel through time. It's way kind better. Of-ish. Did he travel through time, or did his letters travel through a mailbox time? I mean, if you really think know. about it, if your words are traveling through time, it's kind of like you are because your words are really a representation of you and who you were at that moment. Did you watch Frequency recently? <laughs> Man, damn it, guys! We are on some other level. We're this episode is be nineteen hours long. All Typical. Right. Um, okay. So, Doctor Macer recognizes the virus. What you're saying just is, we by, shouldn't have taken off like three months before we did this show again. That's so true, man. If only we talked to each other at any other point in time other than this show. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Dr. Mason recognizes the virus just by the lesions all over it, and, um, beep, 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 uh, the other guy, even like, oh, when, as soon as she says, well, it's a pneumonic virus type 3, um, Tyler says, isn't that the, the virus you've been running simulations on? She's like, yeah, you better call CTU, um, and she's, or she's like, I'll call CTU, you start running tests to confirm that it's a pneumonic virus type 3. And um, she says, let me call Director Almeida. Ooh, Director Almeida. Double director. I was confused immediately. I was like, well, what, what, where's Tony? Tony got that big dick office. Because <laughs> Tony's director, but Jack's also director. Mm-hmm. Well, we. Well, I, th- I figured he was director, like they were in San Diego or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so. we specifically saw it on the the hand pad when Jack signed in that he was director of field operations not director of CTU Los Angeles mm. which was his previous title in season one if you'll remember oh. um, so we cut the CTU where we see Tony Almeida how, how long do you walking? think it took Jack to get back to being a director after like not even 
being an, an employee of CTU three years ago. The next day, he walked in that office, walked up to the rubble of, of the office and said, who's going to kick me out? <laughs> Anyone you bitches want some? And that was the end of it. Well, it's like, Jackson's director again, you guys, no big deal. We're done. Consider this, though, Michael. One, <laughs> and maybe we'll get to this later in the, the season. You have to hope so from a narrative perspective. How long did it take him to get back into the, the director position? Maybe that's a question. Um, he did just say he spent more than a year undercover, mm-hmm. undercover yep. with a drug dealer. <laughs> um, and that was that presumably only wrapped up a couple weeks maybe months ago so uh of the three years of this interstitial period this man a director was undercover with a drug lord a director of any agency was just like better better throw him out there i mean the undercover stuff that was his side hustle that was his skunk works within ctu uh, Do you think that he did that off the side of his off the side of his desk yeah, yeah he was just like that was off what? book activity yeah, he was like you know what i got i know this guy I'm gonna I'm gonna pop down there on my on my days off, take some PTO, PTO and taking down Ramon Salazar is kind of my passion project. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of what I'm into. I, I do like that they realize that Jack is not should not be managing anything other than field operations. Like, it, I, I as soon as President Palmer's gone, I think Jack's done. I guess he's his friend, so like you can sit in the because I'm sure Jack just sat in the chair and pulled a gun and said, "Move me out if you want me out." Like I guess you're the director now. But here's a question: I mean, he just owns that office, you guys. Granted, we only have realistically. I'm trying to do the math from season one, trying to remember back. We might only have three total episodes of this show where Jack is actually a direct manager of anyone and not. Off the reservation, like uh, not like running, uh, like rogue. Um, so, but I've never seen him not yell at anyone, like derisively or just like he, he's not a manager of people. I'll say that much. I don't know how this man got a director position in the first place because in the three of 49 hours we've seen now, Jack does not manage a single person without yelling at them or threatening to kill them See, or fire the thing, them. Though- We'll get to this a little bit later, but later on in the episode, Jack actually appears very managerial when there is a crisis. That like, is fair. The day-to-day stuff, maybe, but when when shit is happening and somebody need they need a leader to look to, Jack is like, you do this, you do that, I'm doing this, we're going to catch this motherfucker, break. Well, I think that's what we talked about previously. Like, I think we talked about this in season one. Jack is the guy you want in charge when anything is in crisis mode like he just instinctively gets it he sees things that other people don't see but can you imagine a day-to-day jack bauer where there's not a fire he just needs to be on retainer and they only call him in when shit goes down no no, it's a bullpen just keep jackie boy there and every once in a while it's like hey uh so we think there might be a neutron bomb in the city oh I need the. It's gonna warm up. I, mean, I need the righty. I need the righty, guys. Get going. Get up. Oh, get cool. Up. Uh, who's who's coming throat in? Do I need to stick a wet rag down to pull their stomach out? Uh, <laughs> Everybody's Jack. Get after it, friend. It's all yours. <laughs> um, so we see Tony walking confidently across the uh, the floor of CTU. We see the a nice big CTU seal on the floor, and he walks up to Michelle Dessler and asks if the president has arrived at USC. And um, she says yes, and he goes off to call the Secret Service. I'm and so fucking mad about this. Who walks up to complain about, I don't know, whatever. What the shit is Zachary Quinto doing on this show? <laughs> I forgot like, that, I, that, was, that that was Zachary Quinto until I saw him and I was like, I know that dude. 
That's Eli Roth. Yeah, fucking Spock's on the show. <laughs> Eli Roth. <laughs> it's the bear Jew. <laughs> I literally, me and Rachel, con- to this day, we contend that they're the same pe- people. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. Well, the weird thing is, so, it, like, in my head, these things were kind of concurrent. But, um, so this came out in, or it was filmed in 2003. I only remember him getting his break in Heroes, which was right. 2006 or 2007. I think it aired in yeah. 2007. So, like, this was a long break for him. Like, and he, he was kind of a dick in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um... Well, it's possible that they were making heroes like, who's that dick 24? I need that guy. Well, what's what's guy. he complaining about? Well, he's complaining, Chloe. He's complaining about Chloe O'Brien. Chloe O'Brien yeah. is, is in my data. What the fuck does he even mean? So, he's touching shit. So, this shit. is where we learn that to, to the point of the two directors, a tale of two directors. Because um, Tony tells him to lighten up before he drives everyone crazy because Chloe didn't do anything. Um, so we learn that Chloe is Jack's direct assistant in field operations, and Tony says, Jack's got his department, I've got mine, but we're all in the same roof, so you gotta learn to play nice. So, I think this is sort of like a, they made a position for Jack Bauer, and it's the one that involves guns. <laughs> I think they made a position for Tony. Hey, did we, really. um... Like, you're the office manager, bro, so, did, uh, just manage all this office stuff. Did we get to the part where they show, um, show... Nope, don't. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. I don't have an answer other than don't talk about it because I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> I know who's going to Well, okay, so sorry. Go ahead, Kush. No. Should I just continue? Yeah. You're going to talk, talk about it. <laughs> no. Michael, go slack ahead. me real quick. It's it's fine. I just I, there's a part with Tony and Michelle that oh no, 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 no oh. this is right now this is right I'm now saying, it, isn't, it isn't in the you know it isn't in the you recap fault, and I was trying Michael. to figure out where my, exactly it's I got it happened. it's right my, it's right no, now okay. I got it my fault Michael how about this hey Kush talk about that <laughs> yeah okay so um, <laughs> Tony sends uh, Zachary Quinto whose character's name is Adam Kaufman uh, an IT director he sends him packing and tells him to shut the fuck up and. Um, Michelle Dessler walks up to uh, Tony and notifies him that Dr. Macer from the health center is on the line. And uh, Tony leans over to grab the phone, and Michelle puts a hand on his arm, and we get an extremely subtle zoom and pan to show that both of them are wearing a wedding rings. They both got so, married to different yeah. people in the last three years. It's That's so great. amazing. That's great. Well, the weird thing is, people can find love. So they show both their hands. Did we see the rings? I didn't see no diamond on Michelle's right? hand. I just saw no, a very no thick bling. wedding band. Well, you know, yeah, when you're no, at work, no, no you don't always wear your, your, your engagement ring. Especially if it's big. You know, you don't want to get it caught on, on some papers or data or something. Yeah. Pull you right into the data machine. Get caught on the data. Yeah. <laughs> Pull you right in. Classic death. So this is the part that I'm really, really, really angry to get your about. ring back now. I'm very, very uh, angry about this. Not that Tony and Michelle are together. But that that they chose that way to tell you. Well, for one, they chose they chose that way to tell me. But then they also robbed me of the entire courtship of Tony and Michelle, and the marriage. I wanted a marriage episode. Like, what the fuck? Like a full marriage episode. We don't get to see any of Tony's slaying game. 
what makes you think Tony has any? I don't think he has any, and that's why I want to watch it on a television show. It's supposed you to be want to see the evolution of there. Okay, I get it. I just it. want to see how. I mean, what obviously happened? There was, there was a terrorist attack on the day Michelle was supposed to marry another man. <laughs> Jack thwarted it, but Tony somehow got hurt in the middle of it, but proved himself in some weird way, and he limps into the cathedral, and she's like, "It was always you, Tony, and I get married. It's over, guys. Fucking plot done. Move on." You kind of no joke. Sort of just describe the plot of MacGruber. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, sure. Something I do appreciate, Michael, to your point, though, this episode specifically, I think better than the last two seasons, is just like, fuck it, we're going to throw a lot out. A lot of things have, a lot of things have happened. Yeah. And you just got to deal with it narratively. Like, mm-hmm. as... as ham-fisted as this shot was of like Michelle for no reason putting her left hand on Tony's like left arm across both of their bodies to like pause him from picking up a phone it's like okay cool they're married well like, originally they just, originally the script said Tony was supposed to say hey Michelle can we talk wife. about this can we talk about this later in our marital bed um and they thought that was just like a little bit too on the nose <laughs> she was like he just walks up and says my wife my <laughs> Um, so professional so So Michelle asks him anxiously if he's heard from anyone named Herzog and he says just relax you're gonna get the job and then he starts walking away to pick up the phone uh, because it's Dr. Macer and she says I better because you're not going to Langley without me so Tony's Tony's got a promotion on the way Mm -hmm. we learn to Langley going to the company the company the big show and uh, so Dr. Macer on the phone warns Tony that someone dropped off a body infected with a how pneumatic pissed, virus. Sorry, how pissed much George Mason be watching this from Oh right from, from his grave. From from heaven, <laughs> where I'm I'm assuming George Mason went. He's watching this and he's of like course. I was fucking working my way for so long. I was director of CTU and I never made it to Langley, and this motherfucker takes my job and is going to Langley within three years. Oh, you guys can go straight to hell. And there's well, that one dude in the corner who's like, but you did steal them 200 <laughs> Yeah, like, I was going to be fair. <laughs> Tony didn't have that hanging over him. And, Michael, it's funny that you mentioned that he would go to heaven. I would think that if there was one man on this planet that had unfinished business and would remain as a nuclear ghost, <laughs> probably George Mason. Wow, yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely like a Star Wars-style yeah. glowing ghost. Can you imagine if he just shows up as a Star Wars ghost to his burnout <laughs> Taco truck son. Just like, listen, bud, you got to get it together. I left you $800,000. It's time. What you're going to want to do is funnel that to some uh, Jamaican Coke dealers and you'll be fine. Um, so <laughs> Macer says that it the virus is the Cordilla virus. And uh, the body, uh, sorry, the body dropped off at the health center is infected with a pneumatic virus called the Cordilla virus. And uh, it's something that Macer had previously at a some sort of health conference predicted that there was a strain of the virus out in the wild. And uh, she thinks it's possible that someone was sending a message that they were willing to unleash the virus on the public. Um, and she says, don't worry, the body, once the host is dead, the virus is contagious. Um, it's like really funny that she thinks she thinks that someone dropping a body off infected with a virus with that a isn't bomb. contagious after death and setting a bomb off at the front door mm-hmm. is someone sending a message that what? they have a virus. There was literally a message on his chest for her. 
Yeah. It's like, hmm. Weird. Someone... Not a, it's not a lost and found situation. Although, just a, <laughs> although I just solved their problem, right? If you're no longer contagious when you're dead, just kill everybody. You just have to kill everyone. All right, guys. Yeah. I I don't. Is it we a need problem to, that we're 40 minutes in? Yeah, I was ju- I was just noticing that. Not, that we had to hustle <laughs> okay, up. Level um, level one protocol. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. So I'm gonna run us through. Here, please take a drink. We get a tiny clock at, at one twelve. Um, Jack, Chase, and Anacon uh, analyze the security footage, and uh, Jack wants to know why Salazar chose today of all days to kill his lawyer if he could have done it any time in the last three months. And um, Sal, he sees Salazar on the security footage say, "What happens next is on you, Jack." And uh, that that strikes something in Jack, and he phones Tony to see if anything unusual happened, and Tony lets him know that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. A body full of virus was dropped off at health services. Um, Normal every day. You know, no big deals. And um, Jack just kind of doesn't say anything. And Tony's just like, you think Ramon is connected to this? Which pretty. Yeah. Yes, bud. Um, We get another tiny clock. Please take another drink. It's 10. It's 114. And we see the presidential limo pull up at the University of Southern California where a big crowd is gathered. After a moment, we see uh, President David Palmer emerge to greet the gathered press, and he gets a huge round of applause from the crowd. Curtis, did you did it's you know boy. it was going to be David Palmer? No, I thought I, I wrote I wrote it's fucking Prescott, super nice. Well, I was wrong. We, I was Curtis, wrong. you're zero for two now, but sorry. <laughs> um, so Palmer walks to the limo, and he is greeted by his brother and new chief of staff. Is his brother? Rest in peace. Yes. Sorry, I, oh, they don't they don't sorry. make that clear in the mood, but that is Wayne. They don't Palmer. make it clear right away. They do. His name was Wayne when he's when he's cool. practicing the debate. Wayne comes on and says, "No, don't talk. Don't say it that way. Say it this way." And he's like, what? Was, "He does say." Mom called Mom him. Mom called him the. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That was once again. He spoiled some shit. You know. You know what? I'm out of here. So, whoopsie. Um, and uh, <laughs> we learned that Wayne has fired a staffer named Judy for not being thorough enough with her preparations for the debate that David will be doing tonight. And sorry, Jude. I gotta, I gotta say, Wayne seems intense. You know what? He gets shit done. Yeah. He is a nice foil to Mike Novick's sort of like quiet, dundering, just sort David. of like. David, what are we doing here? You gotta be more deliberate about this, David. Wayne is very forward, very intense, and seems seems a little pretty motivated. Um, you know what? I love Palmer for this. It's like, hey, I can't trust anybody. You know who I can't trust, though? My brother. My brother. And he's also a dick. Mm-hmm. Good luck, y'all. Good luck. Um, yeah, so basically we learn that David is preparing for a debate tonight, and we learn that Judy got her ass fired because she wasn't doing everything David needed to win. Um, so David turns to the press, and uh, one reporter notes that this is the first time that he's been back in L.A. since the failed attempt on his life three years ago, and um, asks if David is feeling nervous about being back in the city that nearly killed him. Yeah, it's a weird question. Like, Yeah. It wasn't like it was awesome. a, I don't know just a person coming up and shaking his hand it could have literally happened anywhere yeah uh you know it's weird because what i noticed that copper bracelet fan mm-hmm. still there still it wearing it him alive we noticed that <laughs> yep the um, when they showed it later the the scar looks like it stops like right there at the copper right bracelet. at his copper bracelet uh, hey it's not snake oil it, it'll cure your back and kill keep you from being dead by uh poison mm-hmm. um so we uh, they enter the auditorium to rehearse for the debate against David's 
Um, opponent, Senator John Keeler. This is uh, David's obviously after re-election three years into uh, his term. Um, Wayne starts talking about some GAO numbers and David fakes a health emergency. <laughs> um, and uh, Wayne notices that his brother's kind of still short of breath. And um, Bummer says, I'm fine, but I want to wait for Anne to get here. I don't want to talk to a resident uh, physician. Uh, Anne Packard, his personal physician. Um, so we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> What, Michael? Sorry. <laughs> you want to spoil more things? <laughs> I was going to ask. I was going to say that Mandy juice is long lasting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three years gone. It lingers. He's still, he's still hurting. It lingers in the system. So we get another tiny clock. It's one sixteen. Please take a drink. And uh, Jack and Chase are leaving this, the uh, prison. And we see Jack kind of fidgeting with his sleeves, which uh, would be kind of more of a like a nice little clue or hint if michael hadn't already spoiled it um and we see uh, the da anacon uh, chasing what's that i don't know what you're talking about what yeah weird um so anacon chases them out of the prison and says we got to talk about salazar Every time you now go to say anacon i keep expecting duh at the end of it right and the, he does kind of look like a young latino john voight though <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, hold on. Kush, I need to know this. I did I have I'm sorry. Do you mean a young version of the Latino that John Voigt played in Anaconda? Or a young Latino John Voigt as if John Voigt was a Latino? Because they're yes. totally different that, things. The latter, not the former. <laughs> I don't Thank you. I don't think he looks anything like no, I made that up because it's an audio medium, and you don't have to. Look, no one has to look this up because no one has. If if you know what, props to the listener who goes to the IMDb for DA District Attorney Luis Anacon. He looks so IMDb, familiar though. Backtrack to the actor and be like, he doesn't look like. <laughs> he was in Glades, the TV show with Jordan Wall. Our good friend Jordan Wall. Yes, yeah. he was in Glades. He was the. Uh, like uh, his Jordan Daniel, you guys? Yes, sorry. Wasn't it Jordan Wall still it. on Glades? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, yeah no. It, stage he, name, right? Actor name, bud. Um, so uh, Anacon says, we need to go talk to Salazar. We need to interrogate him more. And Jack says, that dude ain't saying shit after killing his lawyer. We need to get back to CTU to figure out why Salazar picked today to kill him. Um, so they leave the facility in their um, big bad uh, Ford SUV. And... Um, Chase first asks what Tony said about the body, and then once again asks, hey, Jack, how you doing? And Jack says, what are you talking about, man? It's like, you know what I'm talking about. And before Jack has to answer, his phone rings, and um, it's his assistant, Chloe Bryan, patching a call through from uh, who? Kate fucking Warner. Stormy weather between those two, huh? Yeah, I don't remember whether they even address this again or if she's in it anymore. I don't know. I just this is a, something I clearly blocked out of my memory because I didn't think Kate Warner was in this season. She's not moving forward. <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, again, this is this is the most efficient episode of Twenty Four to be like. Remember that season? Don't bother. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God, we're retconning the shit out of this. So um, they clearly have been through some uh, stormy weather. And uh, she says, well, I found that leather jacket you thought you lost. Um, and Jack says, yeah, I mean, I'll send someone over to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you say stormy, Kush, but like what Kate was putting out there, hey. She wanted to I got your I got your jacket. Can I come get give it to you so you can give me the jack? That jack? jack it? Yeah. It jack? How? I 
will say, I don't know how they're even talking after Jack went undercover with a drug lord for a year. Like, I assume that's what happened between them. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I found that leather jacket you thought you lost at Ramon Salazar's house. Don't ask why I was down there. <laughs> I found it. Don't worry. Also, I saw what you were doing with that, with that other guy in that you know what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the B2B double Jack D? Says, Jack says no, he's no, really, no, really no. sorry <laughs> about how everything went, and he hangs up. And uh, Chase, Chase says, how's Kate? And Jack's just like, shut up. Keep Can I have some water? <laughs> Jack's a very thirsty boy. So we come back to CTU, and Tony asks Michelle to look into regional terror cells with bioter- bioterrorism capabilities, like there are just a bunch of Southern California terror cells that have bioterrorism capabilities. I feel like if you knew of a t- terror cell locally that had biochemical capability, that you would probably do something about that previously. That you would just keep an eye on. <laughs> We're just going to... Hmm. Yeah, they're playing with they're they're toying around with SARS. I mean, come on, Gave everyone's the got flu. big deal. Everyone's got pet projects. Far be it from mm. us. Um, so uh, Michelle listens in as Tony gets another call from Larry Herzog at Langley CIA headquarters, and uh, we learn that Herzog does not have a position for Dessler until fund with they don't have the funding until after the election. Um, but I do need to answer from you, Tony, by the end of the day. And what does Michelle say? Well, she tries to tell him that he has to take it. She plays the good wife. Yeah. It's great for his career. You know, it's a great. It's the movie he wants he to says, make. Are you, are you okay it. moving without a job, being the wife? Uh, and she says, if I don't have to cook. Which I get. Yeah. That makes sense. And this is just like yeah. the classic husband dumb like what is like sweetheart if you promise not to cook i'll take you anywhere with me and like she for some reason doesn't slap him right in the dick she just kind of like Haha, yeah okay, here's, I can't here's the thing like if he's gonna be made he's getting a job in langley which is huge promotion gotta be a lot more money like you take it and yeah. and then and michelle deals with like when me and rachel one of the things we went to the counselor before we got married because they're like, oh, you have to talk to the counselor. They're going to bring up some stuff we never talked about. They're like, okay, well, what are you going to do if one of you gets a job in a different city? And it's like, which one's better for the career? Which one pays more? What the fuck? How hard is this? Well, I mean, to, to be fair, what, what would be happening is that Tony would be going to the CIA become a CIA officer, which he already is, but be more, maybe more public. And his former CIA officer wife could come over to the D.C. area and say, I wonder are. if I can get a job in the she can't security get a job. industry yeah. in DC. <laughs> Come on, like within three months, she'll be a, a consultant making ten she'll be times. A yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they share a moment uh, because Tony says, "If they don't have a job for you, I'm not interested." Which, again, pretty short-sighted and really stupid. Um, but they share a moment, and then Michelle walks away towards no. a, an analyst's no, desks, no, no, and no, we hear no, the analyst talking no, to someone else no, as Michelle approaches, No, and then um, Michelle no. says "No, one name. <laughs> no. What is that name? Damn it. Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kim, you ever done to, a global capability search? To, to all our fans, I gotta say this. I know I need... I need please, oh let her rip. No, so... You called it, by the way. You, reason, you got that one. I don't... Shut up! Why do you spoil everything? <laughs> Look, this 24 Damn episode it. is very efficient. I'm very efficient today. 
So, long story short, I've guessed a few things right on this show um, that I shouldn't have been able to, and kind of creeped me out a little bit. But there was one, there was one prediction that I made that I never, I never wanted or thought would come true. And, and, and the Lord saw fit to see it, to see it happen. In, in season two, episode twenty-four, I, the boys asked me where I thought would be happening in the next ep- next episode, and I, I said, out loud, uh, that that Kim would be a CTA agent. Now, Kush corrected me and said, obviously, but if it's going to be the next day, which I thought it was going to be the next day at the time, uh, listener, uh, she's 17 years old. That can't be possible. <laughs> I made that comment and, knowing full well what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and we all chuckled and had a good time. My boy's laughing with me. And I'm like, in my mind, of course, there's, there's no chance. Kush, what? Describe so she scene. didn't. So, um, so I don't know what you guys wrote. And I knew it was coming, but I still wrote, oh, for fuck's sake, god damn it. I forgot she worked there this soon. Fuck me. What I wrote was, let's talk about CTU's HR practices. <laughs> because. So, yeah, three years ago she was 17. Three years ago she was 17. Also had recently <laughs> killed a cop. Oh, kidnapped yeah. a child. Yep. Killed another man. Was possibly indicted in the murder of a woman. Mm. Um, also, uh, I looked up the average uh, time period to get a security clearance for a top secret, minimal security clearance is uh, 221 days. Yeah, but she knows uh, So Jack. that's one year out of her life. So Okay, yeah, sure, sure. But Jack spent one year under fucking cover with a drug, drug lord. And also, Michael, to your point, recovering from a hardcore smack addiction. Um <laughs> So what you're saying, you're trying to tell me that she's probably not qualified to be a computer analyst because when did she also she went to school? To like there's another time she like I don't know did it like look we have sort no of, uh, reason to believe that she's not a computer way. When did she become a government level black hat black hat hacker? It doesn't make any goddamn no, sense. Uh, she, she probably did a correspondence course. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Well, she was ba- she anyway. was babysitting she was babysitting and, and being an au pair and then while she was you know after she went to bed she was she was hacking you know have you wait hold on a second There's, we've seen Kim have to interact with technology on numerous times in this show never once has it been successful I did which maybe actually to your point though actually to that point she's struggled a lot she's nearly died twice both in low tech cougar situations and high-tech you know phone situations maybe that motivated her to be like i gotta figure this shit out maybe maybe it's a a life or death situation Uh, to change Uh, wait a minute michael i got it there are alternate dimensions and universes out there okay we don't have time for this are you kidding me no no no. here's what happened here's what happened happened. the original alex from the happy ending universe came to the 24 universe and replaced Kim Bauer okay. and now Kim Bauer is Alex and that's why she's so goddamn dumb <laughs> and this this woman is a smart human being who had Alex as a sister I, I, I have think to cut I this I think okay, that we, you just pre-put it out into the pre-universe and it's your fault could be that fuck 
Okay, here we go. So uh, Michelle asks him to do a global capability search for terrorist cells with bioterrorism capabilities. Michelle leaves, and Kim gets started, and she asks um, Adam, played by Zachary Kinto, if the uh, link file is DES encrypted, and he gives her some weird, distracted, bitter uh, advice. And uh, clearly he does not like working with her. And uh, we cut to Las Nieves, northern Mexico, at a ranch, and uh, we see in a pen a wrangler breaking a, a feisty horse as a dark-haired woman named Claudia and a man with an absolutely exquisite mustache watch mm-hmm. and uh, the man Hector Salazar looks at the woman uh, and says that horse reminds me of you yeah. and she's like are you saying you had to break me she's like no my angel it was you who had to break me and they have a real nice smooch session and then his phone rings and uh, he walks away and we see a man with long hair standing in a dark room watching surveillance footage from the health center, and he tells the man in Spanish, tells Hector in Spanish, they have the body. I'm sure they know what they're dealing with by now. And uh, Hector orders this man to wait 10 minutes and then make your call. Uh, so we got a tiny clock. It's now 123. Um, I'm just going to say, uh, I'm going to cut through some bullshit here. Michelle um, gets some data on the body. She passes it along to Adam, played by Zachary Quinto, and... Um, she gives a task to Adam and says, let Kim help you out. And Kim and Adam have some sort of dumb little power struggle where Kim somehow hacks his computer to earn his re- his respect. And they begrudgingly get some sort well, of, like, truce going. So, I mean, he says... It's to, real Housewives of CTU. Yeah, he he it, says to her, like, everyone else here earned their position. You got it because you're dad. And I like that they decided to address it, like, right off the bat, like... Be like, okay, we have to address the fact that Kim is here at CTU three years after she was 17 years old. Um, We know it's dumb, but, like, we're going to make some shit up anyways. And then they should give her a moment of confidence where she, like, locks him out of his system. So it's like... It's like, oh, it must have been someone who's not incompetent and get their job because of their dad. Well, yeah, no, because, it. you know, when they give CTU analysts, when they when they give them a job interview, they put them all in one room and whoever can lock all everyone else out from their computers, they're the winner. Yeah. So clearly that's how you get a job. So we get another 10 o'clock. It's 125. Um, Jack and Chase enter CTU and Jack looks to have a, a real nice sweat going. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. Chase peels off to go do something on his own. Jack goes upstairs to his uh, office in the field op center, and we finally meet his assistant, Miss Chloe O'Brien, played by Mary Lynn Ricecob. And um, she is uh, syncing up on data from the health center in Salazar, but she can't get some data because Adam is blocking her because, quote, he's completely anal about the chain of command stuff and he hates women, which does appear to be true. Yep. Yeah. Yep. A little bit. And um, Chloe leaves, and we see Jack kind of loosen his tie, breathe raggedly, and he kind of bends over in agony over his Oof. desk. And at this point, I have it in all caps in my notes, Curtis, what are you thinking is going on with Jack? But we all know already. <laughs> no, but we don't know what Curtis was thinking was going on with Jack. Yeah, so Curtis, what what was going through your mind at this point? Were you onto him? Oh, I was 80% sure he had that G-Mace disease. Still. <laughs> still, uh, still on the... Okay. Ready. I mean, I mean, some got my boy here. I didn't believe that a normal anything produced by Earth scientists could bring Jack down. I mean, Baradine can do it. So what the fuck else could? That's so, fair. Yeah. Um, he definitely so got Michelle that. calls he definitely him got that butt says, radiation cancer. The butt radiation cancer from his boss's chair. Mm-hmm. Classic. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets it. Um, I guess he was like six miles from a nuclear explosion in the last two seasons. So like he could have gotten it the old fashioned way too, mm-hmm. not just from his boss's butt. <laughs> a little bit of both. 
Yeah, that, six of one. Yeah. Um, so Michelle calls him and says, we have a conference call with health services and Dr. Sunny Macer. And Jack says, I'd rather not come downstairs. Why don't you just patch me in? Uh, and we get a tiny clock at 127. And Kim walks into the tech room to uh, refresh a server. And um, she starts working. She pulls out a, a server rack. And these we see a so shadowy weird. Do figure. Do these things actually exist in real yeah. life? These weird little server yeah. rooms? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. What are you talking about? Were they like you pull it out and you have to refresh it and, and it's like all weird like a monitor maybe, on it? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, but servers. Yeah, servers exist. Bro. No, I know they yeah, exist, but do like the technicians, like the analysts yeah. actually go back there to reset yeah. the server? You don't have like an IT team? Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. I mean, Kim is, Michael, must be a junior sort of IT. <laughs> like, I mean, like anything, no one should trust her to do anything more than refresh a server. <laughs> Michael, I hear I hear you're concerned about the the procedure at CTU. My concern was, did does Kim know that her mother was held hostage in, in said in, server room? In this room, mm. the ITS room, and not just held hostage, killed, murdered. No, she got she was killed in the in the parking garage. Right? No, no, she was killed no, in the no, I, she was killed no, no, you're right. Yeah, she got shot in the. Uh, she was yeah. killed, and her body was hidden behind a server rack in right. this room yeah, where so, Kim so is I, right now. Yeah, so I so that's why I thought, oh no, either either this is so there is a presence that Kim feels, and I thought maybe. It's either Terry Ghost. Um, so or, shadowy or, figure or, approaches Kim from behind. You thought it was Terry Ghost. <laughs> well, I knew it wasn't Terry Ghost. I kind of wanted to be Terry Ghost to, to slap her and say, why are you here again? So she'd run away and leave. Well, the figure approaches Kim from behind and she turns around startled. And who is it? Chase. Fucking Chase is here. Fucking and what does he do? Chase. Kiss. He has a big old, smooch. Big old face smooch. Smooch, smooch face? Classic smooch face right on the spot her mom was murdered. So he's dating Jack's daughter. How brave is this person? He wants all that smoke. Um, So, so that's this is my point, Michael. So Jack, Jack says, or Chase says, Jack's fine, and Kim says, you know, it's time we reveal our relationship to my dad. We said we would do it after two months, and it's been three, so. Chase says, today might not be the best day. And Kim's like, no day is a good day. Let's just do it. And I just, my note was, Jack must be really hooked on horse if he hasn't noticed after two months that his partner is fucking his daughter in his office. He he had to, he has to know. There's like a part later where, you know, he's like, oh, I, Chase is like, I need to tell you something, Jack. And then Jack is like, I got other shit to do. What did you want to tell me? Like, he knows. What, I mean, he what sees I, it. What I wrote is this. Uh, how seductive must Kim Bauer be on a date? Because if, if you're Chase, when you're trying to get to CTU, you've, you've heard of Jack Bauer. All you know of this man is that he has a super secret past. He thwarted an attempt on the president's life by himself. And then thwarted World War Three. He cut by off himself. a man's head you in be- the CTU conference you be- room. You, be- you, be- Better you fuck begin his to work for this man. Work. You begin to work for this man. You gain his trust, and his and and then you fuck his daughter. How like what has to pass through your brain? Like how good is he at seduction that you're like, I know that I'm going to die, mm-hmm. but damn girl, I got to get in there. Well, no, let's not put this on Kim. Let's, like, <laughs> or, how, or how, big, just how big does Chase think his dick is? <laughs> How he think he's swinging that thing? <laughs> Let's not put this on Kim. This is on Chase being a dumb idiot. Jack is, this going is not to, Kim being. Jack is going to cut off Chase's dick and put it down his throat to rip his own stomach acid out. Yep. 
But I think it's I think, funny you I say think that. Chase knows the science <laughs> of this though. That's the thing. I think he understands how that works. <laughs> but he's still like, I gotta I gotta do it though, y'all. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on, Kush. Yeah, moving moving real quick. <laughs> um so they start making out in the ITS room and like cover up when an employee walk or, like when two people walk in. Not smooth at all, which again just says like there's no way Jack doesn't know this is happening because they almost got caught within the first two minutes of us knowing their relationship. Um, uh, so we see the teleconference where Dr. Macer is briefing everyone on what's going to happen with this uh, weaponized virus. And it's been engineered to kill more rapidly. And um, we learn that there's a 14-hour period where it is non contagious and latent in the body. Then six hours where the patient becomes incapacitated and then they're dead. Uh, within 24 hours of exposure and we learned that sorry go ahead this is so dumb to me more than a million people will be dead within the first week of infection nine percent of the la population cool um here's the thing the show is 24 right i'm in the first hour of the show we have one dead dude and your threat is that if you don't give us you know what's gonna happen the 24-hour period for death is kind of weird when you're already in the middle of the first episode of 24. It should be like 22 hours. Right. So then we have some some kind of suspense to see some real shit go down. You blew it, Fox. Well, they blew it. Um, but also, so as Jack is listening to this conference call, and Curtis, I agree with you. It's It feels weird. It should have been some sort of like 18-hour, just like they're dead. Get closer, print screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Jack is distracted by the conference from away from the the conference call because he sees Chase and Kim walking out of the ITS room like they weren't just making out like two non romantic workplace associates. Totally and um, and Tony asks how someone would release the virus, and Macer says, "Well." There's no way to know who has it, what they're going to do with it, or what form it's in, so we're fucked. Um, so we get another tiny clock, and it is now 1.30. Please take a drink. And uh, as she says, we have no idea what form it is in. We see the dude you're getting a Dell guy pull a massive bag of cocaine out of a duffel bag and Is that really him, or is that... No, it's God. not, okay. but it's funny because it looks like him. It, it does. does look like it does look like the new... He looks like the new douche. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then his other fr- his friend kind of looks like the new Rick. It's like they're, they're the new Rick and douche. They're, they're the new Rick and douche for sure. So Kyle Singer is this boy's name, and he is Oof. listening to some truly classic twenty four shit rock. Um, and his mom knocks on the door, and he hides his massive bag of cocaine uh, to read a magazine. And uh, she says, "Your friend Tim's down by the pool, and can you take me to the doctor later?" And Kyle says, "Well, you call your aunt Norma." I'm bored of this and um so that all happens this guy's supposed to be he looks like he's like 27 well so later he's drinking a a bud heavy from a can by the pool so he's at least 21 and they talk about you remember high school so i'm guessing like 22 23 but he does look it's it's all the puka shells that make him look so old i think it's the i've watched a lot of movies in my day it involved drug dealing. This is the worst 
assembled bag of cocaine I've ever seen in my entire life. It's a Ziploc bag of cocaine that has air available, like space. You just be like, ooh, look at all this cocaine. Out. Yeah, it's like literally someone just poured cocaine into a baking soda, like or like a Ziploc bag. Yeah, yeah. Like just like, rough packed. Yeah, there, there's like air in it, so like if you accidentally <laughs> packed or pushed on it too hard, it would like just explode everywhere. <laughs> uh oh, we've all we're, we're gonna have a fun time tonight, you guys. <laughs> Well, but to be fair, given the implication that we just learned from, like, we don't know what form it's in, it's like, yeah, maybe that's what they want. They just want a mushroom cloud of oh, cocaine. Oh, yeah. Homeboy who packed that, that, that bag of white powder definitely won. like, fuck this, it's closed. You mean you do pack it? Fuck you, man. Nice. This is good. Here's the question, though. Is it actually cocaine with just a little bit of Cordelia virus, or did they even go through the trouble? I think it's... I think it's at the By the end of the episode, I wrote that it was like, I think it's, this is the white powder, right? Not so much coke. So you don't think there's any coke? You think it's just all coke? I think there's a ton of coke in there. I mean, I kind of want this dude to snort some before the end of the episode, so... I think think it's mad coke with just like a (laughs) sprinkle, a dash of Cordillo virus. So their plan is to find all the powder coke addicts in 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 the LA area, get them infected. I mean, we got, they've we got an outbreak. There now. are a couple. This was this was pre Iron Man days, so Robert Downey Jr. would be lining up at the tap. So, um, so we cut to USC where David Palmer. How much would it fuck up their plan though if it was if Robert Downey Jr. did just buy the entire bag and snorted himself? And then died within twenty four hours and didn't infect anyone. It's, it's like oh, Robert Downey Jr. died today. It's like, oh well, weird. So so once again, once again he is Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> He just shows up alive a day later and not contagious. It's like, yeah, well, sorry, y'all. Pretty good coke, though. <laughs> so David Palmer's being quizzed by some guy named Chuck during the debate run-through. And uh, Chuck asks him, so you think you're strong enough to lead the country after your assassination attempt? And David goes through uh, his workout regimen, and Wayne tells him, don't dignify that with a response. Why don't you just emphasize the fact that you arrested and exposed all the people responsible for your assassination attempt, all while you're in a weakened state? So we learned that David apparently arrested Max and all of the Caspian Sea oil barons for trying to kill him. But you know what I learned from that statement? Mandy didn't get caught, y'all. Mandy did not get caught. (laughs) Mandy free? Mandy free. What the hell? (laughs) You never know when there's going to be a Mandy. But some sorry German fucks are in jail, I'll tell you that much. Um, so David jokes that, um, our mom called Wayne the timid brother. And then he takes a break because his physician Ann Packard arrives and, and, uh, says she wants to take his blood pressure, but she looks at his scarred hand and his cool copper bracelet and runs her finger tenderly over the scar running up David's wrist. And Curtis, I have a question for you. They've been fucking? Mm, (laughs) Y'all. I had a couple statements to make through about this scene, but the first was, you know they've been fucking, right? <laughs> we, we, we know, we all know mm, they've been fucking. Well, I mean, no question they've been fucking. If you're the president, what I though, saw, the, the best person you could have a relationship with is your personal doctor because there's nothing weird about you being in a I room mean, alone with these people point, or even showing them your balls. Has to, at some point, she has to review that dick and balls. Right. So, and that's natural. That's doctor-patient privilege. She can't tell anyone if exactly. it sucks or not. Exactly. Oh, it is her. It, it is her privilege. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
And the other joke I wrote yeah, was because because it hadn't been re- it hadn't really been revealed yet. I didn't know yet that Wayne was his brother. When he said the mom comment and then she, Anne came in, I wrote, "Is Wayne brother gonna have to choke?" <laughs> Because the way he looked at Anne is that I'm going to have to choke this. Yeah, Wayne, not a fan of Anne. I think that's a great point to make. Wayne does not seem too keen on Anne. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but his which, name's Wayne, so. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know if it's because she's white. I'll say that much. That, can we call him Can we call him Brother Wheezy? Or is that? I mean, I can't. You can. I mean, I, I might do it. Yeah, go lie. for I it. I was call him Fountains of Wayne because I'm white, but mm. that, oh, don't don't though. <laughs> Just wait till his head gets cut off and he shoots blood everywhere because that happens later. Um, so Wayne dismisses Anne, just full full on dismisses her to um, inform the president after he gets a phone call that a contagious body was found at a at a body on the health center and CTU is investigating it as a criminal action. And David's like, criminal action based on one death. It's like. And Wayne just says, well, it has to do with the circumstances under which the body was found. Like, with a bomb and, like, with mm-hmm. a doctor's name on details. it. And, and covered in virus. Um, yeah, it's it's odd. Um, so David just says, why don't you keep an eye on it as we get another tiny clock at 150, 133, not 53, I wish. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so Jack looks frustrated, and he calls impatiently to... Uh, to, for Chloe to figure out the Salazar transcript and uh, she didn't give him all the data that she wanted and we get a damn it Chloe just do it now so please take a drink because that is the yeah. first of many Jack many is, damn it Chloe's Jack is clearly tweaking out and Chloe just comes in and so this is one of the nuances that I missed I, I didn't like Chloe but in this scene when she comes in and he is yelling and just being a complete asshole and she is just looks him in the eye and is just like, yeah, fuck you, Jack. This is what you told me to do. And she doesn't so, back down. Like, that makes me like her. I remember in college, again, I've changed a lot since then. I think we both have. Hating Chloe. Oh, yeah. Like, because I was just like, she's just getting in Jack's way. Mm-hmm. Again, I saw this scene, Michael, and I was like, Chloe kind of fucking rules. Love that. Right. And I know she's about to get worse. I know it's going to get a lot worse. But still, in this moment, it's like, fuck Jack. He's a terrible boss. Chloe deserves better. Here's the thing. Maybe she doesn't actually get worse. Maybe it's all Jack's fault. See, here's the problem. You guys told me who the actress was. And I I love Mary Lynn. She's great. She's incredible. And so when Jack yelled at her, all I said, that's just her face. Oh, he's just (laughs) making her face. That's just Mary Lynn's face. Why I love her face. Why are you so so I fucking hated Jack. And I was like, no, Chloe's great. These guys are lying assholes who were dickbags in college. Yep. And Chloe's great. Mm-hmm. I think it does get it. worse. And by the way, we did mention Edgar. He is terrible. Don't don't that one <laughs> uh, is see, true. Now I'm, I'm um, second guessing myself about that too. No, don't hey, worry about that Kush, one. That is di- that Kush, is died in the wolf. Yeah. I've seen Men in Black. Is it just an asshole wearing an Edgar suit? No, that would be an improvement. I bet it's not Edgar. No, that would be... <laughs> if it was a giant cockroach wearing an Edgar suit, I'd yeah, actually... Yeah, if it was Vincent D'Onofrio, it would be so much cooler. Um, so anyway, so... Um, Chloe runs out, and Chase comes over, uh, and Jack's like, you gotta fire Chloe, she's terrible. <laughs> and uh, Chase just says, she might be a little weird, but she knows her stuff. And uh, then he says, hey, Jack, you look like hell. Mm. How, does, how does Jack take that Oof. one? What did you just say to me? Oh, you got, got guts, kid. Mm-hmm. I, li- I like working with you, Chase. You're a good kid. But don't you ever walk into my office and talk to me like that again. And he's in back town. That's another thing. That made me like Chase. And I don't remember liking Chase at all. 
I actually like Chase a lot. He's a good character. Uh, so he doesn't back down, and um, Jack winds up calling Chloe and apologizing. And um, Chase is just about to come clean with his relationship with Kim, but the intercom buzzes, and Tony says, we got new information on Salazar. And Chase says, oh, we'll talk later. <laughs> and uh, we get another tiny clock. It's 1.38. Please take a drink. And they walk downstairs where Michelle is briefing a team of analysts on how to plug security breaches in an encryption. Um, within CTU during a day of crisis and um, Kim decides that's the perfect time to ask Chase if she told Jack about their uh, tryst <laughs> and Chase says no fuck you yeah, which Kim like, should have been able to guess that Chase didn't tell him because Chase was still walking under his own power yeah, it's just like I, I, if I'm if I'm Chase I, you have to tell your girlfriend I know that your dad knows any ways to murder me with his left hand can like why do we have to do this? Especially right now, one p.m. on a work day. Clearly, there's some shit going down. Can we invite him over to dinner or something? Yeah. Get a bottle of wine, hide all the guns, <laughs> tie him to his something. chair, invite the Rock, mm. your personal friend. This is my buddy. It's my personal friend, the Rock. Just hang out. <laughs> um, so they walk into the conference room, and Tony plays an anonymous tip phone to the FBI. A man with a distorted voice. Um, who I'm going to guess is this was the guy who was hiding in the dark room uh, who was making his call. I think mm-hmm. that's a safe bet. And um, the caller says, me and my group are in possession of a weaponized type of a or weaponized type 3 pulmonary immunovirus, the Cordilla virus. Um, we want a simple demand, the release of Ramon Salazar in the next six hours. If the government fails to meet these demands, we will release the virus in L.A. And um, Jack asks if we know where the call came from, um, but he says... This has to be the work of Hector Salazar, Ramon's brother, his next command, who went into hiding um, as soon as Ramon was arrested. They own property in Mexico and Southern America, South America under shell corporations, and the Mexican government cannot apprehend or find them. Um, I, and guys, sorry, go ahead. I, I can't do this. Here, here's so, as a viewer of the show Twenty Four, what they've just told you, if you actually watch the episode and kind of do it, is that if you don't release. Hector and or, sorry Ramon in the next six hours, which is the next six episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we release a virus mm-hmm. that they know about that will murder citizens twenty four hours after that. So hey y'all, in the next half season four, you're about to see some real shit. <laughs> what do I care? You know <laughs> the beginning of season four is everyone dying. <laughs> I got a whole season. What you told, what you just told me, Hector, is that I have a whole season of shit where nobody dies. Fuck off, buddy. I'm out. You know, it's like, hmm. It's the end of my notes, Kush. There it is. I'm done. I don't care anymore. I'm not watching the rest of the season. Don't if give a shit. None of it matters. If you're trying to negotiate, it's a bunch of people snorting coke and dying. <laughs> like, it's kind of an odd way to negotiate the release of a drug kingpin, right? A, threatening to release a. A virus is going to kill a lot of people. Like, where do they even get that Cordelia virus? And that's this couldn't have been the first planned use of it, right? Also, they sent something that's not contagious. You're like, oh, did you did you shoot your load right there? Is that, that's all you got? I don't, I don't believe you. Yeah. Do you have a live bro who's going to handle this situation for you? Do you have a dude you're getting a Dell guy full of coke? <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My neighborhood? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's it's an odd first. It's an odd called shot. Like, at least the diehard guys had leverage. These are just like, I don't know, we got a thing. 
Believe me or not, I don't care. <laughs> Think about it. Um, so uh, they still don't release it uh, if they don't get him. And um, so Tony says, well, what if we question Salazar? What, what if we break him? And what does Jack say? Complete waste of time. This is a man without vulnerability. He doesn't respond to physical interrogation, and he doesn't care about another living soul, including his own kids. Mm-hmm. Which, coming from Jack, who also does not respond to physical interrogation. No, but he cares about his his, his Kim. Mm-hmm. Jack has one weakness. That's his, his weakness? dumb daughter. <laughs> and this is, again, though, like, we've already seen that Jack is willing to pretend to kill someone's kids. Also, and that's and why it's got to make you think, did he pretend to do this to Hector Salazar or Ramon <laughs> Salazar? Did he pretend to kill his kids? And he's like, oh, fuck it, sir. I feel like, though, this is why Ramon Salazar is so upset that Jack pretended to be his friend and took him down. Because Salazar literally did not care about a single person. And that's how he didn't get caught. And then he, you know what? He let Jack into his life. Mm-hmm. He let him have a piece of him. And then he used that against him. And that's what really hurts, I think, Ramon Salazar. Never trust a gringo. <laughs> Learned that a long time ago. Um, so Michelle comes in. She says they have an ID on the body who was dropped off of health services. It's a David Goss, a street d- drug dealer in East L.A. who once worked as an informant. Um, and uh, Jack says, find out who his contacts were, including his drug supplier, to see if they can track him down. And then we cut back to the Salazar Ranch, and we see Hector and his sweet mustache driving up to well, Jack, a work Jack area. Well, Jack says more than that. He said, he he delegates pretty well, and that's one of the that's yeah. why I was like, you know what? Maybe he maybe he manages. Again, it's just like Jack understands like operationally. Okay, so um, yeah, so we learned that David Gossey, drug dealer. Um, uh, so Jack says, track it down. Then we cut to the Salazar Ranch, and we see Hector driving up to an area where some workers have dug a large pit, and a foreman is ba- guiding a large truck back to that. And um, we see workers throw a tarp off the cargo, but we don't see what it is. And um, Claudia gets out of the truck, and she looks kind of weirdly at the foreman, uh, who mm-hmm. looks uncomfortable. And um, Hector asks the foreman, "Is like, this will be fine, right? It's not going to mess up my soil. And the foreman says, that's fine. That's so fucking cold. So ice cold. It's going to be okay. Because the truck slowly tilts back, and what do we see dump into the pit? Fucking Walking Dead Resident Evil bodies just dumping out of the back of it. A whole mess of dead. Let the bodies hit the floor. Lesion-covered bodies. So clearly, um, so uh, Oriole, the the foreman said these were the ones we didn't use and um so Ooh. we see claudia is clearly upset about this and uh the workers set they pour gasoline on the bodies and they 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 light it on fire they start to cover the hole and um claudia asks why is my father doing that kind of work it's not his job and what does hector say it is today it is today it is today and then Bounce. We cut to the other Salazar brother at the prison, and uh, Luis Anacon is tracking him down to go see why he killed his lawyer. It only took him 40 minutes to ask. And um, Ramon says, I I don't want my lawyer talking to you. And he tries to goad Anacon into beating him up. And Anacon just says, no, I'm I'm not going to do it. And Salazar just says, you're no fun, Luis. (laughs) And like I kind of like Ramon. I like Ramon uh, a lot. I actually wrote I wrote I like I like this dude a lot. 
Yeah. You know, you like forget he's... how good how good a good villain can really make I a mean, show, you know? Rest in peace, Ira Gaines. But even Ira Gaines was just like a good foil to Jack because he was so like quiet and had the same like menacing energy. Ramon is the first like energetic, sort of like charismatic villain we've had on the show. Mm-hmm. Like Nina, even Nina is quiet and shitty. Like Ramon is just I out mean, there Dennis and is Hopper? like, "Come on, Dennis Hopper is just was on full on cocaine the whole time. Dennis Hopper was just being Dennis Hopper with the worst Eastern, uh, vague Eastern European accent ever." Right, Ramon is an interesting villain already. I'm, I'm, I'm into him. Curtis, how are you feeling about Ramon? I'm a fan. I, I, I'm hoping he has a reason for doing what he does. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't because it's contrived. But I just, I'm hoping that Ramon is like you. You know, you know what happened to my sister. Oh. But, hey, Sora. You don't think it's just drug money? No, it's mostly it's just drug money. That's what that's what it is. But I, I in my mind, I'm saying maybe he could be that guy. Right. But well, no. We'll see. We get another tiny clock. It's 1:45. Please take a drink. Uh, Hector and Claudia drive up to a drug money house, and it big. Um, and Claudia storms off mad and, um, Hector, Hector asks for what's wrong. She's like, you promised that my father, my brother wouldn't be involved in your illegal business. And I'm hurt that you broke your promise. And, uh, Hector says, I feel bad. And I'm going to make it up to you. I'll pay your father more or give him more vacation. She's like, I don't want your money. And she storms off and yeah, but she, she storms off into the, into her giant room with double doors in his house, so I think he kind of want his money. Kind of want money but- a little bit. Sure, 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 sure. Tight, tight, tight. Um, but Hector calls the man in the dark room who confirms that he made the call to the FBI, and we'll see. And um, Hector says, are you keeping an eye on our boy? And we see this man looking at his security monitor, and we see Kyle Singer Dude. sitting with his friend Tim outside of his Rick. pool. Mm-hmm. Mini Rick, Mini Rick, um, and we zoom into the security footage, and Hector tells this guy to keep close, and we get another tiny clock at one forty-seven. Please take a drink, and we zoom in and see Kyle sitting poolside with his friend Tim Rick, while two girls are splashing around in the pool. And which one um, is Kim gonna try to have sex with? Uh, we'll find out. It's oh. gonna be Kyle's. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, gonna, it's be gonna be Dell it's, guy it's, because it, it's Kyle. Yeah, Tim asks Kyle. How was it getting knee deep in some fine Tijuana tail? And y'all, I've never been to Tijuana, but the reputation it has is not necessarily for tail that would be described as fine. It's no, it's or it's human. Fine. It's not it's great. Fine. It's fine. Fine. It's fine. How was it getting knee deep in fine Ugh, Tijuana tail, bud? Fucked so and many ostriches. So, we see, like, I fucked an actual tail. Just a lot of, just a lot of whales, too. Just a lot the of whale whales tails. Here. Yeah, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? We can't cross It's a, cross, it's a crossover <laughs> episode, no. Um, so, the two girls, Linda and Jenna, are in the background swimming, and Kyle sees them, or looks at them, and then reluctantly confesses to his friend Tim that, I didn't go down there to get laid. Do you remember Damn. our drug dealer friend from high school well he hooked me up with a dude who paid me five grand to ferry cocaine across the border well he asked him do you remember whatever the fuck his name was and the guy's like yeah didn't he get busted for selling, <laughs> selling cocaine yeah never mind 
Don't don't worry about that part of it. Yes, he did. But before he did, before that happened, he told me about a guy who would give me money for ferrying cocaine. It's foolproof. <laughs> and then and then Boy, Tim like, Rick says, "Are you selling dope?" And he's like, "No, I'm just muling it like a fucking mule." Not, not technically <laughs> selling it. Um, and Tim's like, "Well, why are you doing this?" He's like, "My mom's on dialysis, and my." father's unemployed and we're about to get evicted and y'all how much you want to bet that his dad's going to find about the find out about this coke later and try to beat his ass oh that's 105 and then do all that's going to be at least that's going to be at least a 18 minute arc of one episode of this hey, season fellas I need, I need to ask this question i'm sorry i have to ask this question on, on behalf of a lot of dudes of color on this country is there a a an a smidgen of you that believes that you could not get caught smuggling drugs. Oh yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that I could basically smuggle anything I wanted and it'd be fine. Wait, Curtis, were you asking if like there's a part of me that thinks I would get caught? Like, that you wouldn't get caught? Oh no, yeah, no, there's no part. No, I. No, like hundred percent of me thinks I'd be fine. Yeah, no, there's no <sighs> way I wouldn't get. I would get caught. So, so the inverse of that is that's how I feel. <laughs> so I, I just want. So that's just not, I need understand that a little bit. Just touch like I I know I get caught. Like it was tobacco across Mexico. I'm like what's that? Oh, it's Cuban scar. You should probably try being a tall white dude. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> Someone told me today um, that uh, there's like a trustworthiness bell curve based on height, and generally speaking. Taller, more people trust tall people. Yeah. Like taller people are trusted more by people, but there it it tails off. But six foot four, six foot three, six foot four, where I think Michael and I are pretty much right there, is like the most trustworthy. And as a white guy, we're just like sitting pretty. Mm. But anything taller than that, it drops off steeply. Well, they then just you might don't play trust basketball. you, right? I, I just but like six foot black dude. I've been I've had some streets crossed on me, friend. I don't I don't do that. I, no, Curtis, it was the second part what you said. Yeah, that was oh man, so, <laughs> so like important. so critical though. Yeah, so important. I was close. I was close, right? I mean, you're like, you're, okay. you're much more trustworthy than like a five ten black dude, but like they, that makes sense. But basically, you're about as trustworthy as like a three foot seven white person. Oh, okay. That's I. You know what? I'm good with that. I'm, I beat Kevin Hart. That works for me. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That'll do. I mean, yeah, you beat him left and right because, I mean, <laughs> specifically him because he said some shit, mm-hmm. y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back to the episode. Sorry, y'all. I might just cut that whole part. So basically what we've learned, though, is that is that new Rick is way smarter than old Rick because he decided not to say yes that, to the I, douche. I don't, I don't know that. Well, know so, that. Well, so Kyle, old, old Kyle asked him. Draws. Kyle says, hey. Um, I'm getting paid five grand. Do you want in? Do you want to help me out to get some of this money? And Tim says, "No, no, thank you." And jumps into the pool to play with the girls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that that's good. I mean, New Rick looks pretty good to me right now. I don't like he was flabbergasted at the thought of illegality, yeah. which was like, huh, what a what a curveball this this show has thrown. <laughs> um, so we cut to USC where David Palmer enters a makeshift war room at the USC campus, which I guess just happens. Um, and Wayne informs him of the Salazar demands. And uh, David says, should we cancel the debate? And um, 
Wayne says, no, it's probably fine, but there's just some concern about how we're going to keep you safe in L.A. And our favorite guy, Secret Service agent Aaron Pierce, played by Glenn, Glenn Morshire, tells David that Anne is here to see you. Is this when we can talk and about Dave- it? Can we talk about it now? The movie? The movie. No, we're going to have this whole... No, Michael, we're two hours Dang, in. We'll we're going to have Glenn to save Morshire this. later, I guess. Yeah, no, it'll it'll come back. We, yeah. we'll hey, get there, buddy. Hey, listeners... Come back in episode two for some juicy Glenn Morshower tidbits. <laughs> We're getting it. We are getting it. We are now a Glenn Morshower um, podcast. Some explosive Glenn Morshower news. Um, a Glenn so, Morshower of news, if you will. So, Ooh. oh, hello. Love that. Um, so David initially says, too busy to meet her. And then he's like, okay, I'll go see her. And Wayne does not look happy about this, but... They walk away. Anne meets David in a side room, and she gives him some pills to increase his energy because she knows that he was lethargic. And uh, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I bet it she looks knew. like looks I like you're upset. And this is yeah. one of those lines that I loved in this show because it's just David just kind of sighs and says, "Just gonna be another one of those days." <laughs> <laughs> they did do a lot of like very tongue in cheek, like almost overplaying the the 24 tropes in this this first episode and i enjoyed it yeah speaking of tongue and cheek what happens next <laughs> she puts Bow. she puts her tongue Bow. and his tongue all up in the cheeks Bow. wait that didn't sound right he did he did that he kissed her he put a hand under her he put a tender mm-hmm. hand under her chin and they smooched real good and there was some nice yep. bass in the music in the background music i liked it yeah so Getting we get it real a, y'all Curtis, how white, you, y'all. Curtis, how does it feel to once again call that they've been fucking? I mean, I'm pretty good at empathetically understanding those who have been fucking mm-hmm, y'all. Sure. So call me. Let me know who you want to know been fucking. But David and the doctor. I like that you're a very specific fucking. telephone medium. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Like you can't tell anyone's future, you can't really give a prophecy, but you just kind of hear two people like, "Oh yeah, Curtis, can you please <laughs> can you please start a Twitter account that's called like they've been fucking, been fucking, and people will just send you a picture of two people together, and you tell them whether or not they've been fucking." Oh, de- see, here's the issue with the picture. It depends on when the picture been taken. Because the picture is like the guy when he's like. 18. All right, how about a Vine video? But 10 years later, we'll send you a Vine video. Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> or a gift. They've been fucking. Easy. Has these two gift people been fucking? Mm-hmm. The guru's open for it. Bring it on. Kush, TBF. What's that? They've been fucking. <laughs> yeah, one second. <laughs> um. Yeah, so guys, I, I did actually, while you were talking, just register... Uh, <laughs> No, actually, you know what? I fucked it up. Uh, the Twitter <laughs> handle is they been been effing. <laughs> Good job, Which Kush. I'm actually going to leave. <laughs> you nailed it. They been been they been been effing. They been been effing. <laughs> they been been so, um, yeah. Cool. And actually, because <laughs> I fucked it up so bad. It's do? they been been fi one. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Oh, 
<laughs> oh, they, let me fix it. They've they been, they been, they been feeding one. How did you? <laughs> how did you? Did you have a stroke while you were doing this? <laughs> 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 they've been been fang. Okay, it's they've been <laughs> underscore fang is the new. <laughs> Okay, it's they, they, been, been, underscore F-I-N-G. So if you have any sort of uh, questions about who been fucking, please direct them to Curtis. <laughs> they, been, been, F-I-1. <laughs> okay, so we get a tiny clock. It's 153. We're so close to the end of this fucking episode. Um, so Jack is still struggling to figure out the computers at CTU. And... Um, Chase notices him being frustrated and walks in and points out what he's doing wrong. And uh, Jack gets up and just kind of coughs and uh, walks back to his office. And Chase follows him and says, Hey, man, look, I got to be honest with you. I look up to you. I would take a bullet for you if I had to. But right now I got to hold the mirror up. You were under with Salazar for six months. I know what they did to you and what you did to yourself. You can't make that go away overnight. And um, Jack kind of picks up what he's thrown down and sits back and kind of looks haunted. He says, oh, you think I didn't know? And what does Jack say to that? Mind your own business. He says, mind your own business. And um, Chase says, look, man, I don't want an explanation. I know it's going to be a rough day. Today's not the day to prove to everyone that you can get by and do your work. So why don't you go get your head straight so that we can do our job? Yeah. He says, do what you got to do. But you gotta get your head straight. Then, so he basically told him to do drugs. He told him to do drugs on the job, huh? Yeah. And this is where one would officially learn that Jack Bauer is addicted to horse. Okay. If someone hadn't no, spoiled no, it no, at this hard. point, an hour not and yet. fifty minutes how, ago. How hard not. was it to figure it out? Oh, I mean, he was undercover Curtis, with a fucking drug kingpin. Curtis, for when a year. did you figure it out? Right now, at this point oh, in the episode, at this point, it was. See, I, I wanted to believe that maybe he had a disease. Maybe he did something he regretted. But like, what I wrote here was this: in in the last episode of last season, I, I made some requests. One of them was already not met. Um, <laughs> that Kim doesn't work at CTU. But yeah, <laughs> but what I asked for was was more darts and binders. Um. Adorable guys, but I didn't ask for hidden horse. Okay, I asked for a needle's kind of like a dart, in and binders. that roll thing not, is kind of like not, a binder. Not, not fucking boy inside of a inside of a goddamn needle. <laughs> this is evil and wrong, and I hate you for doing it. But Jack found that stash, y'all. He 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 hid it. He he snuck it into CTU. Well, yeah. So well, before we get to that, so. So Chase leaves, and Jack shakes his head, bites his lip, and and honestly does something that is probably the coolest thing in CTU, the coolest technology that we've seen in CTU to date. The smoke glass. Jack picks up a remote and clicks it, and his the wall, the glass walls of his uh, office go completely smoky dark, and no one can see in. And which, to be fair. Seems like a pretty nefarious sort of thing for your boss to have. <laughs> I mean, I get it though. He's 
he's up there to be able to watch everyone from up on that perch, but like you also don't want people to see you all the time. You know, sometimes you got to do important director stuff. What, like, fuck your secretary or do drugs? I don't know, maybe you gotta whack off a little bit because you haven't been home in a while because you've been dealing with crises. And you, you know get off you on... jack off at work? And you get yeah, off on totally. crises because you're Jack Bauer. I need this smart glass here. Why? Well, I do horse, so... <laughs> you gotta like, is there... Like, no joke, even in this situation, is there any justifiable situation where you would need to be not seen at yes, work. Yes, if you were having like an HR type meeting or you were doing like a um... Actually, no, I got it. If someone, if he had a big TV in his in his office, which he doesn't, and he had like a meeting where they were showing sensitive intelligence. Well, you could be, you don't think anyone at CTU can read lips? I feel like if they were meeting with anyone above the people on the floor's like security clearance level, you'd have to smoke that shit, right? Yeah, sure. Or if you wanted to do horse or, or fuck your secretary. Or we wanted to do that is also above their security clearance level, by the way. You know what you know what I'm thinking though? These smoky and and actually what I'm thinking, it would have come in handy and also the like best reason to not have them in Jack's office. The last time Jack was in this office in a professional capacity, yeah. he tranquilized his direct boss. Well, and he basically uh walked Nina out with a with a gun to her back. With a gun. So he did both of those things without that. Mm-hmm. And no one thought to be like, we know the shenanigans you get up to in this room, Jack, <laughs> Jonathan Bauer. Um, we're not letting you. We're not letting you turn the lights off in this one. Sorry. So, yeah, um, Jack turns the lights off and then he goes to his office locker and he reaches up to the top of it and pulls out a hidden medical kit. He sits back down at his desk Rolls up his sleeve and begins to tie a tourniquet around his neck or around his arm. Jesus, um, and we see a a sick tattoo of some sort of uh, saint or uh, Virgin, Mary. Virgin Mary on his arm. Mary. And I learned apparently that Kiefer Sutherland had that tattoo done permanently on his forearm because he got sick of it being done in makeup every day. That's amazing. Hey, Keish, you a pirate man? <laughs> Which I can think of possibly at this point four scenes that have shown Jack Bowers front left forearm and usually he's wearing a long sleeve shirt. So I can't imagine the level of just like Kiefer Sutherland's just pure unadulterated like I can't stand this. It took two twice. No, thank you. I'm just going to get it permanent. The best part about this scene when he starts going in to shoot up is the music. Yes. It's like, cause we get the, it's basically like if you were to, if you were to just play that music completely out of context, I'd be like, this music kind of sounds like if 24 did heroin. Yes. It was like, it was like a 24, very 24 vibe, but then it was just like all discordant music notes and like kind of weird, like nine inch nails shit happening. And, and then it flows into the triumphant. Mm. Well, we'll get there. So so Jack is just about to shoot up into his arm. We get a split screen of Jack filling the syringe with Heron. Ramon Salazar sitting in his cell waiting. Tim and the girls are splashing around in the pool while Kyle drinks a Bud Heavy by himself. <laughs> and uh, David and Wayne Palmer are preparing for the debate. And just as Jack is about to inject the needle into his arm, Kim Bauer buzzes in on the intercom, says, Daddy, I want to see, 
I want to talk to you for a second. And Jack's like, oh, I'm busy. I'm, I'm changing. I'm changing. Um, <laughs> I'm whacking off. That's a Treads in Low Places joke, if anyone wants to know. Um, and uh, she's like, well, just let me know when you have a few extra minutes. And Jack pauses the needle just above the skin of his elbow. And then what does he do? He fucking throws it away. That dude has more willpower than than anyone, right? Like, he's literally about to put the needle in. Into his arm, and then he yeah. just slowly shoots the heroin down on the floor of his office. Which, to be fair, like, in my head at the, at the first moment, I was like, it's weird, because I was like, oh, no, he's wasting! <laughs> like, that was which was bad. But also, I was like, okay, that's like $6 worth of heroin now. Like, it's like, whatever. What about that H, though? <laughs> like, no, Jack! And then... As soon as he empties it and then he throws the syringe across the room, we get like the triumphant ba 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 twenty four music, and then he smashes his keyboard <laughs> and then he puts his head in his hands and we cut to black at one fifty nine and fifty nine seconds. Jack is stronger than addiction. Rawr. Welcome to season three of twenty four. <laughs> Jack's a junkie. Yay. So Curtis, how are you feeling right now? Not good. Not good. What what is most what's most concerning to you? Why why is Kim why is Kim with why is Kim? Yeah, no, we're all in the same boat for sure. <laughs> why is the Kim? Why there? is Kim? How how do Kim? Why do Kim? Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, of course she found Jack's protege and was like, "Hey, I have to do you." Um, you know, it's just just there's there's too much Kim because there's there because there exists a Kim. Also, there's a Kate. There's and a Kate and a Kim. Well, Still, yeah, there's too still, much. Three years later, there's still a Kate and a Kim. Yeah. Um, that's, that's why Jack left for a year. That, you know what? There it is. I'm fine. I'm good. Thanks. How are you even. feeling about Jack right now? Mm. Uh, he's got 24 hours to get, get off that stuff. How I many mean, hours do you think it will take Jack Bauer to shake off heroin? 20. <laughs> 20? You think it's going to be 20? Minutes? Yeah. 20 minutes? Yeah, like yeah, twenty minutes or like you you really think it's not gonna be the A plot of the first half of the season and then done? You think it twenty you're thinking the whole twenty four, huh? Yeah. The very yeah, last minute before it fades to black is him going, You know what? I don't want heroin anymore. Curtis, I hope I hope by the time we reach season four of this show, you understand a little bit about the narrative structure these writers are going for, because shame on you, sir. <laughs> Shame on you. Shame. I love it. Uh, so, Kurt, where do you where do you think we're going? We, I mean, we got a, a bio weapon. Now that you know a bit about the structure of, you've been through, you've been through this. Mm-hmm. You've seen two seasons of Twenty Four. Your first rodeo. Yeah. So, where where do you think? Give me some predictions. Well, for this for this season, the the POTUS is going to call his old friend for a brow hour. And Jack Bauer will save the world. Okay, bold. That's that's mostly a twenty-four at this point, right? Yeah. There's some dumb shit in the middle. So dumb middle shit. That's what I'll dumb middle, dumb middle shit. And then and then you know Bauer win. That's okay. Um, here's a, here's a question. So David Palmer running for election. You think he wins? No. Okay. Interesting. I mean, you... it's there. There's been in like they 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 set off a nuke. 
in your first campaign, like, like in your first year, like on. I mean, nine eleven happened in the first year of George W. Bush. A nuke. You got it. You got a, it. A, a nuke. A nuke, though. But it was L.A. A nuke, though. Like people like yeah. L.A. less than they like New York. So. Yep. Um. Do you think so? Who do you think's coming back that we haven't seen yet? You think uh, Sherry's Mandy. making a reappearance? Mandy. You think Mandy's coming back? Okay. I don't. Mandy. Nobody's killed Mandy, so yeah, Mandy. Um, Lynn Kresge. You think Lynn is coming back from her broken? Okay. <laughs> she hasn't been in a coma for the past three years. Don't worry about it. Fair uh, enough. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think we're gonna see Sherry. Can we just? You don't think we're seeing I Sherry? I want one scene of Lynn Kresge this season coming out of the coma, and her first thing is be like, "Mr. President, there's a conspiracy against you." And they have to be like, yeah, oh, Lynn. It's fine. I'm not making any more guess, Kush. I, I give up. That's fine. No, I, I, Kurt, no wrong answer. Um, damn it. We we really should have played the 24 game before we get, oh, we dove into this yeah. because, boy, howdy, it's good. There's also apparently uh, a comic, 24 Midnight Sun, <laughs> which I desperately want to read now. But yeah. um, all right. Michael, you do you remember anything of this season? I remember because we rarely got that deep into season three in the Dream yeah. Game so this is you know this is the first of the seasons that I did not rewatch um, in college. I just watched it the first time. I mean, I did binge it, so I probably watched all twenty four episodes in approximately twenty six hours. Um, so I think I'll, I'll it'll be one of those things where it kind of slowly comes to me at like before it happens but it, it's not I don't I'll know. be very clear you and I and Odette and a couple of people definitely watched the first eight episodes of this season 17 times like trying to get through more than one at a time and just kept of this not doing season it. this season specifically and season four. Oh boy I don't remember so, I don't remember. Again, I, I think bits and pieces will sneak into your yes, psyche. I think they'll, but, they'll come. Yeah. But like I said, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even realize that Kim was at CTU in season three. I thought it didn't you happen until se- season four. You and I definitely watched parts of season four drunk. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah. So, all right, fellas. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week on Longest Days of Our Lives. Um, I, again, this season and the next season are some of my favorites. I think, uh, Curtis, you are in for a real treat for this one i'm nervous (laughs) no don't be nervous man just buckle up it's gonna be great um well fellas uh we are back in classic trends nope classic form for longest days of our lives we're at the two hour mark because why the fuck not ever hit the two hour mark before uh not true my bud try editing one of these we regularly hit two hours it's my nightmare this this is this might be the longest recording we've done, though. I will say that. Um, or it will be by the time we're done. Um, but, yeah, everyone, if you like this show, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. You can also find out more information about our sister show, Trends in Low Places, in which Michael and I, and occasionally Curtis when he's feeling froggy, um, we break down the dumbest internet stories we can find every single week. We basically just dunk on them. And if you like this one... If you like this show, you will almost certainly like that one because it's just us being stupid. Um, so uh, go ahead and find that show. Uh, you can also shoot us a message at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We read every single message we get. We love to hear from our fans. If you want to share a, uh, a theory or just yell at us for not doing this show for 
four months in a row. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you there. So go ahead and reach out to us. And uh, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, if you want to help us out, guys, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Either this one, the old good old L Duel, or Trends in Low Places on your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Spotify, however you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our shows. And when you do that, please rate and review us to move us up the charts to become a podcast juggernaut. And one day, be sponsored by Whiskey. Who don't love brown water? <laughs> Flint. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, Ooh. Michael, how can the folks help us in the old social medias? You can help us out by uh, following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast. Um, you know, follow us, retweet us, share our posts, um, tell your friends all about our new episodes, uh, you know, all those good things. And um, you can also send us messages there, uh, either for about Longest Days of Our Lives or for Trends in Low Places. Um, you know, if you have any inside information about, you know, CTU or Cordelia viruses or um, heroin addiction, you know, just shoot it over because we'll, we'll use it on the air the advice not the heroin yeah don't shoot shoot advice that's just shoot advice um and also i want to thank everyone who stuck with us for the pause we took and apologize for that again uh just kind of life got in the way we were obviously a little bit delayed finishing up season two and getting to season three but we have uh every intention of getting through this one on a week-to-week basis so uh stick with us uh we are back in action and uh we are very thankful that you continue to listen to us but uh if you're just finding the show you're here at the right time because season three is off to a real start and uh we thank you for listening so um fellas hate to tell you this but we've run out of time toodles (laughs) 